0: Hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Objective Health. We decided this week that we wanted to do, for a change, do a show about the coronavirus. And um, (laughs) so we decided that we would bring on um, a very special guest, um, editor of Sot.net, Joe Quinn. So welcome, Joe.
1: Thanks for the invite.
0: (laughs) <laughs> so, Joe, just to start things off, maybe you could tell everybody why you want everybody to die.
1: Well, <laughs> me and Prince Charles, uh, or not Prince Charles, but the Duke of Edinburgh, is that his name? Prince Charles' father? Mm. Um, Duke of Windsor, I think his name is. He, um, Philip. It's he, Philip. He, Philip, yeah. He, uh, um, he, he's on record as having said that humanity is a virus. And, uh, or sorry, or that humanity is like a plague or something, or humanity, that they only need to die, and that uh, he, if he reincarnates, he wants to come back as a virus and kill everybody. Uh, so I spent a lot of time hanging out with him, and uh, he convinced me, basically. So that's why I want everybody to die, and that's why I'm so happy about coronavirus.
0: Right. <laughs> Makes sense. Those are yeah. some true life goals right there. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. That's true about uh, Prince Philip, though. Yeah. Uh, that, and, uh, Although obviously this coronavirus isn't his fault because he's not dead yet, uh, so oh, yeah. reincarnated as a virus just yet, you know. Uh, probably some other member of his family. Right. Um, anyway, not to be disrespectful to our family, but uh, 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 yeah, I am being disrespectful to our family. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. So no, I was just being facetious, obviously, because yes. it seems like whenever anybody speaks out. Um, against kind of the lockdown measures and the coronavirus and actually analyzing the numbers and actually putting some truth out there, that's kind of the um, automatic response that you get from people. It's either you accept mm-hmm. everything that's going on or you just want people to die
1: right or more um,
2: specifically, you want to kill grandma yeah,
1: yeah, yeah you yeah. want to kill old people
0: yeah.
1: um, the from the very beginning this of, of this. I mean, it really is a, a farce if you look into it in enough depth. Um, from the very beginning, the the thing that struck me about it was that it was as if, you know, most of the world suddenly woke up to the fact that people die and they were horrified by it. Uh, most people, it's, you get the impression that most people really... Didn't know. At least they were not, uh, you know, conscious in any, anything like a daily basis or even a you know weekly or regular basis that that large numbers of people die in their countries uh, every week, every day, every week, every month, um, and that having these numbers, you know, of, of large numbers of deaths suddenly shoved in their faces uh, every, you know, every day uh, by the media, every hour, really. Uh, just uh, I don't know. It's, it's something happened to them, and, and they just <laughs> couldn't take it. And of course, when it's attached to the ideas it has been uh, by governments and the media that uh, that it's a it's a virus that's you know that anybody can spread, and that they're they're responsible, uh, potentially responsible for people dying. Uh, this is all you know, shocking, new, and shocking to them. And it's just amazing. I mean. I mean, one thing I should say that uh, probably in the course of this discussion, you know, I'm going to uh, kind of explain a lot of things ultimately by just the idiocy of a large percentage of the people on this planet. Yeah. I mean, there isn't, there isn't. In many cases, there is. If you want for answers to what's actually going on, what has been going on over the past couple of months, uh, there there aren't very many complex answers to it. Uh, Really, And there's far more simplistic answers to it. And one of those, you know, the primary simplistic answer to it, not simplistic, but simple answer and true answer is that people just are, generally speaking, uh, clueless. They don't know what's going on around them. They generally don't know what's going on, on around them in the world. Uh, they're, they're limited to their little private individual lives. And uh, everything outside of that bubble is you know, just doesn't almost doesn't exist for them, you know. So when the like I was saying, when the media and the government suddenly intrude on that bubble with shocking facts and statistics that um, that implicate them as being potentially responsible for them, and in this case, killing people, uh, they just you know a lot of people just lose lose all all all. Sanity, all all sense, and uh, and believe wholeheartedly what the government what the government is saying, you know. And the remedy to that would be a little bit of um, a, a little bit of awareness, a little bit of understanding on their part about, like I was saying, about the death holes in their respective countries. How many people die every day around them that they that they don't see, and and this whole thing wouldn't be such a wouldn't be such a big deal to many people if they were aware of those things. But apparently they're not.
0: Yeah. Like, if you look at things like comparisons to flu deaths, heart yeah. attacks, cancer, like any any of those kinds of things, it's just like the the numbers of, of COVID deaths are actually minuscule by comparison.
1: Right. Uh, well, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily minuscule, but they're in the same ballpark, mm. uh, not something, not, not remarkable. Flu, yeah, Yeah, for flu. For, I mean, to, I think the UK's numbers, officially the numbers, and we can talk about how they get their numbers, but the official numbers of... Death by COVID, as the media and the government tends to portray it, uh, is 30,000 people in the past, well, since the start of the year or since February, whenever. Um, uh, two years ago, 2017, 2018 flu season, it was a bad flu season and there were estimated to be 50,000 uh, deaths related to uh, the flu. And nobody, you ask anybody in the street in the UK, uh, about that and they they won't, won't know, they won't have heard about it because nobody told them about it, right? The media didn't say anything, the government did say anything. I mean, it was in the media here and there, the odd, the odd, uh, the odd article, but nobody paid any attention because there was no alarm bell, sounded no DEFCON 5, you know. Um, so, But the fact of the matter is that two years ago in the UK and uh, around the same time of year, 50,000 people died uh, as a result of, of the flu. And of course, I mean, you can go back there you could have gone back then if two years ago if if the government and the media wanted to portray uh, the flu the the high number of estimated number of flu deaths two years ago in the winter season two years ago uh, they could have done exactly the same thing um, that they're doing today they could have chosen to do it two years ago and they would have had more numbers to to ju- to justify that would have had 50,000 instead of 30,000 but they didn't, and instead they chose this year, and they chose to pick uh, a virus that uh, is very similar to the flu in its effects and its and in its mortality rate, um, and they decided to just go full totalitarian uh, idiots on it. And um, there's no other – I don't know. I mean, you can argue up and down. You can look at stats for this or that or the other, but the bottom line for me is that is that the numbers – do not justify what they've been doing um, and you have to you have to come up with a different explanation as to why they're doing that you can't blame it on you can't say that this virus is uh, justification for for the lockdowns so but that's what m- when I when I post a lot of articles and stuff uh, and, and data on, on Facebook that you know convince the old person that, that there's something else going on uh, their immediate question is why okay, I, okay it looks like I might believe you or whatever but why um, why are they doing this? Why would they do this? I mean, they're, they're accepting that uh, the virus isn't uh, a reasonable excuse to lock down the country and cause all the kind of problems and suffering and misery and probably deaths. Um, so so why are they doing it? That people want to know why. And that gets you into a whole other kind of situation, you know, a whole other uh, scenario. You have to, that's a different, different, Different uh, story than a different narrative, you know, as to why. But uh, I tend to not want to uh, give any explanations because, by definition, it would be—I mean, you can give—you can give some explanations, but it's—it's it's by definition theoretical because you don't have hard evidence for it. So I tend not to want to answer that questions and and answer that question by saying, "Listen, I don't have to have a reason why." Because a lot of people seem to be making a contingent on accepting what you say, accepting the data and the evidence that's in front of their eyes. That there's no justification. Uh, the virus is not justification for, for these lockdowns, um, they, they tend to... They, they come across as if uh, that they'll only believe that data, even though they accept that it's true, they'll only believe that data if you can explain then why they are doing a lockdown. If you're saying the virus accept they will accept that the lockdown is not justified by the virus or the numbers from the virus, uh, but they're not going to accept that data until you explain why. And I say, well, I don't need to explain why, and you don't have to have an answer as to why to recognize that it's not justified. I mean, we can try and figure out why afterwards, but first, the first order of business is to stand up and speak out and say, this makes no sense. And as Donald Trump, uh, not that I'm a Donald Trump supporter, but um, as he said, you know, at the beginning, I think. you he warned against the the cure being worse than the problem and he was right that the cure probably very likely is well it is not very likely it is far worse than the problem because really there is no problem
2: mm-hmm. well it's interesting so, that they call it a cure <laughs> yeah <laughs> well like like you said two years ago joe about the flu season being worse almost double worse I was looking at statistic. I can't remember which country it was based in, either the US or the UK. And it was saying in the past, like I think it was since 1997, there's been five or six cases of flu seasons, which far surpassed the amount of deaths that we've had with the COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah. the numbers simply don't add up. Historically, there have been many kind mm-hmm. of uh, more justification to to be able to implement this kind of control. So the question is, why now? You know, why is this different? It um, yeah. doesn't really so, make sense.
1: Do, do we want to theorize about that? <laughs> that? Or, or sure. can I answer that question as to why?
2: I think or, it's uh, always helpful to ask who benefits in the mm-hmm. face of a situation
0: like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. one of the primary beneficiaries, in my opinion, I mean, it's pretty obvious when you see all of the trillions of dollars
1: being laid out to the bankers, given to them for bailouts,
0: uh, that's the number one place to look.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: I mean, and... there have been um, uh, financial analysts who've been talking over the last years, maybe 10 years or so, of saying that
2: uh, the level of debt that just the United States has alone is not sustainable. There's going to be a crash. There's going to be a crash. There's going to be a crash. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's coming soon. So mm-hmm. this happened at a convenient time.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, we don't know necessarily the exact mechanism by which yeah. you know they would be dealing with that, that that economic problem. And I'm not sure there is. I mean, the economy for, for many decades has been, has functioned on essentially kind of funny money, if you know what I mean, the fiat system. And mm-hmm. it's the, 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 what they call the economy is really decoupled uh, from the, has been for a long time, decoupled from the from the real economy, if you know what I mean, the, the bricks and mortar economy. Uh, the, the amount of... Uh, Money floating around the world and shares and you know equity basically floating around the world is totally decoupled from the actual, uh, from any reference to the the the, the actual value in, in any given country or and by, by extension the, the entire world. So, uh, I tend to think that they probably, I mean, they probably could keep it going for, um, for quite a while longer because they've been doing mm-hmm. it for so long anyway. Mm-hmm. But I wonder that doesn't that doesn't mean that they don't. Uh, they don't have a a reason to to want to do what they're doing in terms of you know some people have said like resetting the economy or mm-hmm. kind of closing it down as they have to to a to a large extent and then uh, re re- reestablishing it or opening it up again on a slightly different footing you know but for for sure i mean there's been mainstream articles with this about a lot how a lot of people have been uh, benefiting uh, mm-hmm. you know major kind of he- you know hedge fund managers and major um, banking institutions et cetera who have you know, made a lot of money out of uh, essentially shorting the, the the economy. You know what I mean? I mean, when you get wind of something like this uh, coming down the the pipeline, uh, you can you can make a lot of money if you bet that everything's going to that many companies are going to kind of go to the wall. You know, um, so a lot of people undoubtedly have made a lot of individuals and organizations have made a lot of money from this. So that's one one. Um, one benefit, the other thing, obviously, is the push for vaccine, you know, I mean, um, vaccines have been around for quite a long time and the uptake in vaccines is kind of, it's not bad, I'm not sure about the US, but in European countries, it averages about 70% of the over 65 year olds, which, you know, isn't uh, a majority by any stretch of, of the population, you know, uh, and a lot of the pharmaceutical companies have, you know, stand to make a lot of money out of, or do make a lot of money out of vac- uh, vaccinations. But I um, no doubt they would like to make more money. Uh, but the way, the only way they can really make more money than they have already been making is to is to vaccinate more people. Mm-hmm. And certainly, this uh, the scare, the fear mongering uh, around this uh, SARS SARS two uh, has the potential to encourage a lot more people. Uh, younger people and maybe a lot, the rest of the the over 65, the other 25% that generally, that haven't been getting the the flu vaccination uh, and other vaccinations every year, it's a way to encourage them to get it. So you might see a significant increase uh, in vaccinations, not just for when they come out, if and when they come out uh, with a vaccine, I suppose a vaccine for this uh, uh, SARS-2, but also for other vaccinations in general, uh, because of the fear that has been spread around and also younger people uh, mm-hmm. deciding to uh, take a vaccine, uh, to accept vaccines. And that all means, you know, I mean, Bill Gates, like said, explicitly said that uh, I think it was in the context of talking about this, the situation, he said that, uh, that the lockdown is not going to end fully until we vaccinate the entire globe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, i think it depends on the price obviously the price would vary and stuff but you know vaccines or you know, a couple hundred dollars or something is, is banked uh, in the West, in western countries between 100 and 200 dollars is banked per vaccine uh, from government coffers into the pharmaceutical company's uh, uh, bank account so um, you know multiply 8 billion by 100 mm-hmm. 800 billion trillion maybe close to a trillion dollars um so yeah that's just, that's an incentive for sure but that's always been an incentive you know to, for them to push uh, the push vaccination programs on people so I don't know um what else <laughs> governments like control. Well the, well the strange thing about the strange thing about this situation is, is that I've noticed there there's been a governments around the world man, most governments around the world have have operated or, or yeah, operated in lockstep with someone, with each other, hmm. but more likely with someone. It's like, uh, I mean, the, the kind of dates that they give for uh, for for turning off the lockdown, the dates that they that they all came on, came on. You know, they were they were either following each other or they were following someone else. I mean, the first countries to 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 lock well, obviously it was China, then uh, Iran, uh, but you didn't hear much about those. China kind of did its own thing, but in Europe, uh, it was Italy spain um and as soon as you know they started reporting large numbers of infections or or deaths from COVID, then you had you know moved to spain and moved to france and most other european countries and they all kind of followed each other you know uh, in terms of the timing of it it was within within like 10 days or something uh, Mm -hmm. or two weeks everybody followed suit and then they all started following um the same the same easing of the lockdown approach, you know, it's, it, it was very, I mean, you could put that down to the virus, that the virus itself was kind of like dying off or, or going away essentially because of the change in weather or whatever, as far as these kind of seasonal flu like viruses do. But um, there was, a, there was a, a coherency among all of these governments and they, they they seemed, obviously we know that a lot of them are getting information from advisors or scientific committees uh, that, 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 unelected, essentially, that, are, that work for the government. And there's are scientists, supposedly, or scientific uh, advisors who, who are telling the governments, telling governments around the world what to do. Of course, you've got the World Health Organization, who is also send, ha- handing out missives uh, and instructions to governments. And governments, that's, that's the, the problem for the people that need to understand about this, is that it's not your government really deciding at least not primarily your government that's deciding to impose these lockdowns and impose the different uh, social distancing measures etc on people it's they're getting that from unelected scientific officials and and some of them uh some of them some of them within the, the country in question but others outside the country you know who don't work work for the your government they work for the world health organization for example Mm. Um, so, there's no real accountability. You don't know these people. And you don't know if they don't, if they, you have to assume and uh, hope that they have a, a, a positive agenda, that they don't have some nefarious uh, motive for, for doing what they're doing, you know. But certainly, it, it was clear to me anyway that governments were simply following the orders of someone else. Um, and all following the same orders from someone else. That, to me, suggests that it's some supranational or transnational organization that's handing out uh, instructions to governments, and they're all doing it. They're all following those instructions, you know, mostly to the letter, you know, mm. uh, despite the resistance from the local populations and, uh, you know, many people, uh, and despite the fact that they're making uh, a lot of the population in, in their respective countries uh, you know, unhappy and making them suffer, uh, governments were... Sticking to the instructions, essentially, that they were given by someone else, by someone above them, let's say, in, in, a, in a hierarchy, um, and of course, you could say that governments do that because well, government, most politicians, most, most governments are made of politicians, and they don't, they're not scientists, they're not doctors, they don't know, so they have to follow the instructions of someone else. But there's an awful lot about this uh, the, this situation over the past two months uh, with, with coronavirus, uh, that you don't have to be a doctor. Or scientists to see that it's deeply flawed and a very bad idea and doesn't doesn't help or isn't working. You know, um, you don't have to, you know you don't have to be a scientist to, to, to figure those things out because many of them are, are just like common sense in a certain you know. Um, uh, for example, the nobody no one has ever explained why from the beginning you or I or any of us I think could go to a supermarket at any time we wanted every day if we wanted uh where we could you know mingle in the, you know social distancing notwithstanding because you can't always stay two meters or whatever it is from everybody in a supermarket with maybe 200 people in a super- supermarket you have to squeeze past them and this happened to me multiple times uh were so i'm allowed to do that mingle in with 200 people sometimes in close quarters doing my shopping for an hour two hours as long as i wanted really every day mm. uh, but i couldn't go to a restaurant. <laughs> um, where, and if you think about it, I go to a restaurant, I call the restaurant, I say, have you got a table for two? I, uh, they say, yes, I go there at eight o'clock in the evening, whatever it is, uh, and I go into the restaurant, I meet someone, one person at the restaurant, he can keep his social distance, he can keep two meters from me, I say, I got a reservation, he says, okay, yeah, that table over there, uh, table for two in the corner, all the tables are at least one meter or maybe even two meters away from from everybody else, I sit there with the person that I came with I spend an hour or two hours eating, and then I get up uh, or I pay my bill, hopefully, and then I get up and I leave. and uh, I've been in contact in close contact with really nobody, and I've been in an establishment with far, far less people than in a supermarket. but I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, and that's just one example of, of the strictures that they put on people that don't make any sense whatsoever. Um, I mean, a major, a major problem from the very beginning that the government has kind of like you got the impression that governments when it was. They've stayed away from it, studiously avoided it. But whenever it was brought up, they've kind of like just uh, bullshitted their way out of it, or stuck their fingers in their ears and said, "La la 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 la, we're not <laughs> listening to you." it's about uh, herd immunity. Herd immunity is is uh, you know a kind of a, a medical or scientific med- slash medical principle that's been used for a hundred years for viruses of this type, and it's worked very well. And there's never been any any suggestion at any time that uh, that that's not that it should be changed so that was a problem it was it was has always been seen like i said for 100 years as the best way to deal with um with these kind of viral outbreaks uh and herd immunity is just basically it means just basically letting people get on with their lives not worrying about a viral outbreak at all once you get a once you understand the nature of it that it's um and they did understand the nature of, of it from the from quite early on, you know, in February after China had its experience with it. They understood very early on that this was more or less like a flu, like a seasonal flu-like virus that was only dangerous to the elderly, and particularly the elderly with um, with under chronic underlying conditions. And that's the same, you know, every year with the flu and large numbers of people die estimated uh, from complications from the flu every single year, and the governments and, pe- and the population and the media have never batted an eyelid, never cared a thing about that. That's just, that's just it's just a matter, a fact of life. That's just what happens, and there's not much you can do about it. Um. So, but also it's seen as the most effective way of, of dealing with it. it's it's uh, as many people as possible let people circulate as normal so that the viral the virus spreads uh, as quickly as possible uh, and the vast majority of people are going to not going to have any serious uh, problem with it and when they contract it they're going to be immune to it therefore they can't they're not no longer contagious they're no longer spreading So that's how you stop the spread of of, a, of an illness as quickly as possible. Uh, the government just ditched that. Governments around the world just ditch that idea completely in favor of exactly the opposite, which is, um, you know, prolonging the period uh, during which the virus is is um, is, is is around and is, and, and, can, and can be spread around the population. Uh, it makes no sense whatsoever, and of course, it doesn't. It, there's no evidence, no scientific evidence. I mean, as far as as, as We've been able to look at the situation so far. In, in this case, there's no evidence that uh, lockdowns help to uh, mitigate the, the the dangers or the, the 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 mortality rate from from these kinds of viruses. And in fact, the the kind of associated uh, deaths from the lockdown may turn out to be much larger. So um, the only conclusion is that, for me anyway, is that. Um, It's it's kind of it's it's a bit hard to get your head around in a sense, but it's that the government did want to or was given instructions that uh, from someone uh, or let's say this is called the government. The governments around the world decided, on someone else's advice, maybe uh, that they did want to severely restrict the spread of this virus around the population, but not to save lives, uh, because. The, the approach they took was not to save lives. It did help to, let's say, stop the spread, I think, of the virus around a large percentage of the population thereby providing herd immunity. Uh, but they didn't do it to save lives. They did it for some other reason. That's the only conclusion I can come to. And I, I know it doesn't make much sense, uh, but that's, you know, it's uh, that like uh, Sherlock Holmes maxim. Does anybody know it whenever uh, you've ruled out the improbable, whatever's left, however implausible must be the truth. Something Something like that. Something like that. That's that's where I'm at on it, in that the the measures they have taken have been designed to stop the spread of the virus around the population in the case that the virus itself is not dangerous to the vast majority of the population. Why would they want to do that? I don't know. I mean, you can do a a 2 plus 2 equals 4 and say that maybe there's something positive about the virus, uh, but I don't know. I mean, there is some. there are some studies that, I mean, people know so very little. I mean, I'm not saying I know a lot either, but I know a little bit more than the average person I think about viruses just because I've studied them a little bit and uh, the very basics, you know. And um, there are, I mean, there are millions of viruses um, floating around all the time and people think they're all deadly, but the, uh, I think probably a majority of them are actually beneficial in one way or another for, for humans and for other mammals. And um, they there there are viruses that uh, confer uh, protection and have beneficial effects um, on on the host. So it's not um, totally out there or kind of uh, crazy to suggest that uh, there may have been something about this virus that was positive or beneficial and that the government... That's my most fringe theory, uh, that the government... Uh, did not want, or someone above the government or someone handing advice, advice to governments did not want uh, those beneficial effect, effects to accrue to the, to the population through the widespread uh, the widespread of, of, of the virus. And that's why they followed the lockdown procedure when it made no sense whatsoever and it was breaking with uh, standard policy and tradition uh, for 100 years as to how to deal with these kind of uh, outbreaks, which are very similar to the flu.
2: Well, it's certainly not saved any deaths, right? No, it's, yeah, it's, probably,
1: it's, probably, it's probably increased deaths. I mean, um, the fact of the matter is, is that people, the people who have died from, with this, and I mean, pe- most people have probably heard about the with-from thing, and it's true to say that mm-hmm. uh, nobody dies uh, with coronavirus in the same way no one, di- oh, sorry, no one dies from coronavirus, in the same way no one dies from the flu. I mean, the flu... Influenza has never been put down as a cause an underlying cause of death on any death certificate right. ever before uh, because influenza is not a national a, a notifiable disease it's not, it's not classified as a disease it's cl- classified as an organism or something like that which means that you can't put it down in a death certificate um, and the reason that's never been, they, they, they have never done that they, and the reason they can't put it down in a death certificate is because they know that uh, basically pretty much no one dies as a result of contracting a flu virus, a common flu virus, because it's not dangerous enough. You have to have a a significantly weakened system or some kind of a genetic disorder or whatever to cause for for the flu to be a contributing factor to your death. And that's why they call it a contributing factor uh, to to, to the death of someone. But that person who who dies with the flu was in, in one way or another in A precarious state of health or a serious, uh, a very poor state of health already. Um, So they've never, uh, in any statistics, they never put down uh, uh, the influenza as the underlying cause of death. And that's the same case with coronavirus. If you look at, well, well, in, in the case of the flu the vast majority of people who die with the flu every year are people older generally over 65s with uh, one two or three or more underlying serious underlying conditions uh, and the flu virus the, the respiratory uh, issues that it causes uh, and, and knock-on effects etc can can be too much for someone and push them over the edge uh, and, and and they die but on the death certificate they put down the exist pre existing chronic uh, issues or illnesses that the person had. Those are the cause of death. Um, and any doctor will tell you that that's, that's what they've done all along. Of course, it's quite difficult sometimes for doctors to actually figure out what actually caused, and in, in any situation, to cause, uh, in, in a lot of situations, to, to figure out what to write on a death certificate, the attending GP or, or doctor. Um, has sometimes a difficult job to exactly figure out exactly what caused someone to die. You know, sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not. Um, But flu is never put on the death certificate. And when you look at uh, COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2, it is really only dangerous to this exactly the same demographic, over 65s with uh, chronic underlying uh, conditions. And so the same rule should apply that you can't put COVID-19 as a disease from SARS-CoV-2 um, on the death certificate of anybody who dies and having tested positive for, for, for sars SARS 2 uh, But they do, they did, they have been in massive numbers. And the reason they, did, they were able to do that, in fact, was that the, uh, the various health bodies in, in major countries around the world and including the World Health Organization uh, at the beginning of March uh, elevated uh, COVID-19 to a notifiable disease. They no- essentially elevated it to the, the status of a disease like Ebola or some, some serious uh, uh, infection, serious disease, so that they could put it down as an underlying cause of death. And that obviously raises my suspicions that the reason they did that was that they could so that they could actually have official death certificates with lots of people having died from. Uh, COVID 19 uh, and shove that in people's faces 24 Mm -hmm. 7. Otherwise, they would only have, they would never have done any testing like they don't do, like they do with the flu. They never do any, uh, they do very little testing and every year they estimate uh, how many people die from the flu in any given year. Last year, I think it was 600, the the World Health Organization or the CDC, sorry, the CDC estimates that 650,000 people died. From complications with the flu, but they have no idea. It could be, it could be three hundred thousand. And they might, I think they give a uh, uh, a spectrum of somewhere between three hundred thousand to one point five million. They just, you know, while you know, general estimates from data they collect and stuff, but they never test anybody. So they don't know if those people who died that uh, with with what they say was complications from the flu, they don't know if they, those people had uh, had any flu virus in them at the time of death at all. They just estimate based on case of pneumonia or respiratory illnesses, kind of different different reports called from different places, um, and they should have done the same thing with this virus because it's pretty much the same thing. But they didn't. They elevated to, a, a, like I said, to a, the level of a disease, which means then that they uh, start to you know do uh, you know produce tests. Uh, that they can test people for, uh, or and, and the other thing is, in many cases they're not being tested, uh, which is another question. Maybe that we'll get back to as to why they haven't been testing a lot of people, or why they've been dragging their feet on testing people. But certainly they wanted to be able to uh, put down COVID nineteen as the underlying cause of death in order to scare people to say that this is uh this is a very dangerous. Uh, virus that's literally killing people all by itself, which is totally untrue. If you look at the, at this data, uh, the data from Italy, I think it was 99%, 99, and around 99, 99% of people who died were, again, in that age group, over 65 with one, two, or three chronic underlying conditions. And 52% of those 99 had three chronic underlying conditions. Uh, these are, that, that's that's the people who died in Italy. And, and I mean, it's bizarre. It's just, I don't understand it really because I mean, we're, it's like living in two different realities at the same time because on the one hand, I think everybody knows that COVID-19 is not a danger to the majority of people, but everybody is acting as if it is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, and I, again, it's what I was saying at the beginning was that I, I think most people don't know The numbers of people who die and who those people are, the the majority of people who die, and the numbers of the the numbers who die every month in in any given country, people don't know it. Mm -hmm. They've never known it. Like in the UK, or where you're from, Elliot, 60,000 people die every month. Um, And about 75% of those are over 65s with chronic underlying conditions. That's every month. So seventy-five percent of six, about forty-five, say about forty-five thousand people. Forty-five thousand people die every single month, on average, in the UK. The, these you know old people that we're meant to be protecting right now, but for the past forever, basically, um, forty-five thousand of those people have died every single month in the UK, and we've never, never cared. Why, why are we caring now that when 30,000 have died? Yeah. I don't know. Why, because I, the why, government is why, why,
2: telling us to care for some reason. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is that, that there's been a lot of problems with testing in, in terms of – I'm pretty sure if they wanted to, they could put out very – they could easily uh, distribute effective tests – to show whether or not a person, you know, to show, find the infection rate, an accurate infection rate, and to find out whether uh, people who have died, uh, people who died over this period of six weeks or two months, uh, how many of them actually tested positive for for SARS-CoV-2, um, but they've been very slow and very, uh, you're dragging their feet on, on 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 making those tests available widely, and I think it's because if they were to do that and if they had done that from the very beginning, very quickly, it would become apparent. Just how many people had been uh, infected, and of course, the, the numbers are probably smaller than, than it would be if if there was no lockdown. But still, a significant number of people, I think, uh, have already had this this virus. And if you were able to test, you know, the whole country or large percentage of the country, you'd get a, a very high number, relatively of of people who had already uh, contracted the virus. And then if you compare that to the numbers of deaths, you would see that it's in the same, range as, um, the same range as the flu. But what they've been doing totally disingenuously from the beginning is showing you data or statistics that compared the number of deaths with the number of people who had tested positive for it and had not died. Mm-hmm. But that obviously doesn't include all of the people who haven't been tested and had it and didn't die as well. So, and of course, in doing it that way, you can come up with a a death or mortality rate of maybe 4 or 5%, which is, you know, or 3 or 4%, which is a lot more, you know, 20 or 30 times uh, the mortality rate of the flu. But that's stupid. And it's, it's just amazing to me that they were able to pass that off and media will actually put out those figures and when it's, when it's patently false, you know. Mm-hmm. When you have to, to know what the mortality rate is, you have to test. Well, literally, you have to test the whole country uh, to find out exactly how many people had this virus and then look at how many people died. And you'll get a, a tiny percentage of the population, a fraction of, of 1%, a very small fraction of 1% of people, of, 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 of a mortality rate. But that's no good if you want to have a lockdown, right? If your goal is having a lockdown and imposing all of these strictures and removal of freedoms and, you know, really squeezing people almost just for fun in a certain sense, uh, it seems to me anyway, that's why they're doing it because there's no justification for it and someone is enjoying exerting this level of control and power over the population. If you want to do that, you have to have a good reason to do it and you have to you know, it has to be a fear-based reason. You have to be able to scare the population. And the best way you scare the population is tell them, tell them that, uh, show them false or bogus statistics that this virus is, is much more deadly than anything we've seen in, 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 in recent history. And that uh, many people might die and all this kind of stuff, which is just not true. And I don't know what's going to happen after this lockdown. is fully eased or whatever happens or however, however it's going to go. But when they look back, if we can look back on more objective numbers and show that Really it was no different. it was no more deadly than the flu how I don't know what, how are people going to react you know is are people going to react? Are they going to say that it was the lockdown that stopped that from happening uh, which again is is, is, is false mm. um, because um, there have been enough people who uh, that have been tested or have, have been shown to have uh, contracted the virus and had no symptoms whatsoever and this that the, stat- the t- statistics that they can't fudge is the 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 demographic the type of people who are dying uh, with this virus i mean you can't you can't say that you know 50,000 young healthy 25 year olds died from it you, i mean I'm, I'm assuming they can't do that uh, and they're not going to have those 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 kind of statistics the only statistics they're going to have is that like i said before uh, the people who died with this virus or for whom this virus was a contributing factor to their, to their death were people who were in very poor health anyway and had very uh, low or, or very short life expectancy anyway. Yeah, uh, And that's the same as the flu. So how are they going to spin that? I don't know. Um, I just We live in a bizarre world right now it's where nothing really makes any sense, where it's like the government is just doing what it wants and just repeating the message over and over again in the face of facts to the contrary. They're just pushing the same uh, hysterical, you know, this is dangerous. Stay at home, you know, social distancing uh, measures, blah blah blah. And there's no reason for it. I mean, one, one, another one. But I give the example of the restaurant going to the supermarket or going to the restaurant, and why you can go to the supermarket and why you can't go to a restaurant as one example. But another one is. Um, uh beaches i'm shutting down beaches now not not everywhere has a not every country in europe especially this time of year has a has has a climate that would you know means that people would be even interested in going to the beach at this time of year but there are some places especially in the west coast of the u.s and south of the u.s and in southern europe where people would still go to the beach uh but beaches were closed across all of these countries you weren't allowed it was the last place you were allowed to go was the beach uh but there's plenty of studies, if you're looking up, plenty of studies showing that the sea air and the iodine and the salt and the sodium in the, and magnesium in the sea air uh, is extremely beneficial for lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done multiple studies to show that people with various uh, you know, lung issues show a marked improvement when they go and spend a couple of weeks at the beach breathing the sea air. So if you wanted to cure people, why would you stop them going to the beach? If you wanted to help them, let's say, if you wanted to... Because it's all about the infection. That's what we keep coming back to. It's all about the infection, stopping stopping people getting this virus. Despite the fact that it's not really uh, dangerous to the vast majority of people, but we still don't want anybody to get it. Despite the fact that everybody getting it as fast as possible is the fastest way to bring an end to it, still we don't want people to get it. Why? I keep asking the question, why don't you want people to get this? Because you don't have any good reason at all for not wanting people to get this. It goes against standard scientific practice or medical practice in these cases, and you're going against that. you're stopped because you want, really really really, really, really want people to not get this, even though it doesn't it's not a danger to the vast majority of them why? that's why I come to the conclusion that there's for some other reason, they don't want people to get it. For some other reason, not for their health, not because it's a danger, not because it's going to make you know millions of people sick and whatever it's or make you know millions die or hundreds of thousands die. That, that's the, the data on that is clear at this point. That was never going to happen, and I think they knew it from the beginning. But there's evidence that they. I mean, they should have known. That they're smart people, right? They they can figure things out. They have their scientists to show that this that was not going to happen. It was not mm-hmm. going to be a deadly pandemic. But still, they pushed hard and fast with stopping people contracting this virus? Why? It's
0: a good question. <clears throat> well, as you were saying before, Joe, about um, you know, the, the idea that when we look back on this, um, assuming we do have some good figures and things to, to, to look at, um, people are going to think that, that, you know, that the reaction to this was incredibly overblown. And especially, you know, considering the amount of good information that is actually getting out, um, you know, maybe it's just my um, personal perspective, but it seems like there's been a rapid increase in the amount of good information, people who are actually looking at the numbers, analyzing them. You know, there was one that just came out recently where there was a person who was analyzing the code behind what Neil Ferguson had done, on which the Mm. whole UK lockdown was based Mm on. So it just yep. seems like like there are a number of people out there who are actually spreading this good information, and more and more people are becoming aware of the situation for what it really is. Um, so I personally think that that the uh, the elite, the leaders, are going to have a lot to answer for, um, especially when the fir- full kind of repercussions of the, the lockdown, all the economic repercussions, et cetera, really start to pile up, and people really start to see the consequences of... of this thing that 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 has gone on so
1: yes um, I would like to think so hmm. uh, there will be a lot of difficult questions put to government and they'll have to uh, or, and there'll be a lot of hard hitting expose articles that will hmm. blow the whole thing wide open and show how evil government is and governments will fall and they'll all march <laughs> off into the uh, uh, hmm. Utopia, uh, where we only <laughs> have nice governments who don't do anything weird and nasty. Uh, yeah, I'd like to believe that, but uh, um, I don't know. It would be a turn off for the books, at least in my experience, um, mm. if that were to happen. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of the mechanism by which uh, they'll, they'll just ignore this, but what well, we do know the mechanism is that it just you know, people. People don't care. Most people don't care. I mean, you have to remember that a lot of people. I don't know what percentage of the population, but a lot of people out there are fully behind this. You know, yeah. uh, even you know, over and above, over and above them, just uh, uh, you know, doing it out of fear or doing it because they want to protect the elderly, as they've been told. There's a lot of people out there who seem to really like following what the government says. They yeah. seem to be, yeah. to a certain extent, enjoying. The the overweening intrusion uh, uh, of government into their lives. You know, there's a lot of people who are very dependent on authority in a very visceral kind of way, and they're having a very different response to these, this lockdown, this lockdown situation than than you or I uh, or any of us here. You know, um, where we're really feeling the the the. You know, we are feeling quite, you know, indignant. Let's say, and outraged at, the, at, uh, at the government, uh, you know, ruling or controlling the minutiae of our lives. Uh, there's other people who seem, I think, uh, that they they don't have a problem with that whatsoever. So those people are going to be very, very unlikely to, even after the fact, you know, if, if there's some data comes out that shows that, um, that it was all overblown. I don't think they're going to complain. And the pe- people who do complain. I don't know what voice they have. They can do it on social media. They can do it, uh, you know, they can maybe have an odd protest or something, but uh, the media is not going to, you know, not going to be their champion in that respect. Um, So I think in the same way that, uh, you know, Saddam's weapons of mass destruction were just uh, made to go away Mm -hmm. or were ignored at the time, even though, I mean, I was saying it at the time, about I weapons of mass destruction, that's, you know, 17 years ago, I was pointing out the problem that, along with quite a few other people. And the media completely ignored us and called us conspiracy theorists. And then maybe a year, two years later, I think, uh, lessons to be learned from the way, the, you know, the media admitted, mea culpa, we should have learned some lessons. You know, we shouldn't have been so quick to believe the government, blah, blah, blah. But now that we've said, mea culpa, let's just move on.
2: Yeah. Mm.
1: I don't see any reason why this won't follow the same the same process, you know, um, there'll be mealy mouth, wo- mealy mouthed words to excuse, excuse it all, you know, um, that's assuming, assuming things don't go really bad in the sense of, you know, the economy. We still don't know the full effects in the economy or how it's going to re- recover as it's, as it's beginning to now, I suppose that we're starting to, a lot of places are starting to unlock down. Um, we still have to wait and see, you know, it'd probably be a uh, six months or a year before we, you know, we see the full effects of it and it can have a knock on effects. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. There's no way to know that. Uh, particularly because I was saying the the, 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 economy has been for a very long time, a kind of funny money economy, you know, and uh, they can print money and make up figures, uh, to their heart's content. You know, uh, it's all about sentiment, you know, how the markets feel today. You know, how does the market feel today? Has it got a, has it got a headache or is it okay? If the market feels okay, then the economy is doing good. If the market doesn't feel good, then stocks and shares go down. Um, So but actually those that's that's that market economy feeling and and, and the effect it has and how are the markets today is actually um it's there's something like twenty-five or thirty big hedge fund managers around the world uh who you know control the purse strings of, of of large a large amount of capital around the world and it's those guys if they say come out and publicly say, you know, or say in the, in the channels that they say it, uh, that they like one thing or like another or don't like this or, do you know, like, like one stock or don't like another stock or make a comment on some industry. Uh, that That's where market sentiment comes from. It's the sentiment of those guys yeah. um, that can affect entire economies, you know. So it's it's all pretty fake in that respect. And like I was saying, it's very much decoupled from the actual, you know, nuts and bolts uh, economy and the, and the, the actual uh, value or the worth uh, in terms of tables and chairs of, of any given country you know so um i don't know it's all it's all a bit for me that's all unknown um it's just a scandal this whole situation is a scandal of massive proportions and the, the scariest part of it for me or the, the most interesting maybe part of it is to see how people have reacted okay, um yeah. and to see the inability of so many people to to notice a line of bullshit. Uh, when it comes our way and this even worse is to actually enjoy it. You know, they may recognize it bullshit, but they're, they're fond of bullshit basically. Um, or just more, it's more like the authoritarian follower, um, Mm -hmm. mentality among so many people. Um, that's, that's kind of scary. You know, I, I thought there would have been limits to even the authoritarian follower mindset. You know, that when you're told, when you're told that you have to imprison yourself in your house, um, for, for two months, uh, for on, on the basis of of, of a, a scare, you know, a viral scare, uh, I thought that that would be, that might have been pushing the limits of people's, even the most ardent authoritarian follower of their their ability to, to to accept that, you know, but apparently not, you know, um, and many people willingly jumping on the kind of uh, the enforcement bandwagon as well, you know, yeah. where people will. Uh, you know, call the police on their neighbors or give shit to their neighbors for, for going out and, and, and shout at people for, you know, endangering the old, you know, they, they, there's a lot of people that are just waiting for a moment, their, their, their five moments of, of, of authority, you know, sanctioned by us, you know, uh, where, they, where they're empowered to go out and control their, their, their communities in some way or other. There's a lot of people really, you know, ready for that, you know, mm-hmm. and they're dangerous people. So, um, yeah, that's been a big, I think that's probably the most important lesson. And uh, all of this, apart from you know, we already knew the governments are are fairly um, are, are suspect. Let's say governments are suspect, uh, and you can't easily just dismiss any conspiracy theories about government malfeasance, malfeasance, or or um, uh, you know wrongdoing. Can't just automatically dismiss it. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that governments, you know, get up to pretty pretty nasty stuff. Um, so we you know not in that sense i'm not that surprised what i'm most surprised about is and what i've learned the most about is other people in society and the divisions in society uh between you know those people who are essentially ardent really strong uh authoritarian followers who have a very strong need to 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 rely to to rely on authority to tell them what to do to do their thinking for them and other people who um who have a more a stronger sense of their own personal power or personal sovereignty or independence where they can, they're willing to go against the grain no matter what the grain is. Uh, if, if what they're being told doesn't make sense, you know, they can stand up and speak out, you know? Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting that it's, uh, it's interesting as well that in the U S for example, that the people who are out uh, protesting about the lockdowns are, t- I don't know if all of them are, but a lot of a good, good portion of them are, would tend to be conservatives and, Trump yeah. supporters, not the, yeah. mm-hmm. more better to say just conservatives, you know, mm-hmm. and of course, they're the people who have been, you know, for the past few years uh, have been, you know, pushing back against, you know, radical leftist politics and uh, that kind of thing as well. And I think it's probably true that a, a good percentage of the, the authoritarian followers, the ones who are uh, most happy to go along with uh, the lockdowns and government dictates are also would have also been people who would have le- leaned uh, over the past few years towards those kind of radical social justice uh, agendas. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a sort of a continuation there, you know, um, between the two, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: It's ironic because they were the ones, it was the conservatives who've been um, accused of being the Nazis, right? Mm, right. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Whereas the, it's, it, you see it's now the tides have turned and actually mm-hmm. – uh, it, they don't necessarily seem to be the ones who are welcoming these completely uncalled for, um, strict, draconian measures kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. On social media, it's it's really easy to kind of um, get stuck in an echo chamber kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But just to echo your thoughts on that, Joe, I would say that that's been the yeah really the most eye-opening part of this whole thing. It's like you can't expect any different from governments right you start learning about the kind of thing that they get up to and you you know you should be anticipating that they will do that at any chance you know as soon as they get the opportunity they will jump on it but yeah. it's seeing how there is this such major division and see authoritarians have just kind of sprung up out of nowhere um, mm. and really seem to be taking pleasure um mm. in enforcing that on others and that's mm-hmm. the scary thing it's like you know, it's not just that they're going on their business and, you know, following orders and, and mm. not questioning themselves, but mm-hmm. it's actually that they will jump. They'll jump on your status. Mm-hmm. Or they'll jump on what anyone else says. It's like it's so threatening to their worldview. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it causes them pain and they need to shut it down. Right. right. And it's, it's, ama- it's so interesting to see. Um, people who you previously did not necessarily suspect this of, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. um, it seems that they, you know, they show their true colors. Right. It's a, re- like
1: it's a real separation of, of you know, I don't know. I don't want, don't want to get biblical, but mm-hmm. the, the wheat and the chaff in a certain sense, you know. Um, and the thing about Nazis, it's ridiculous that, that conservatives, we're called Nazis because, I mean, the left, the radical left, or the left-leaning people in the Western world, anyway, are the ones who clearly had most uh, had a, had the strongest reliance on government. Right? They're the ones who wanted all of the social government to mandate all sorts of social policies to help mm-hmm. the poor, or help the, uh, the 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 marginalized, or the you know migrants, et cetera, et cetera. They wanted government. They they couldn't do it themselves, so they want government to come in and change. Uh, the world, uh, make the world a better place for them. Um, so those people by definition are the ones who who are most reliant in their inner core on authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you get an authority, if an authority comes along that is a, you know, evil or malevolent authority, then it's those leftist, one, leftist types, as we call them today, who have the most reliance on authority who will be the the followers of that evil authority. They will be the Nazis by definition. What defines you as a Nazi, if you want to use that term, is your strict reliance and obedience to authority.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you you, can, you you might be a nice person when you've got a nice government and you're following the the, the dictates of the government to, to the letter, as long as the dictates are nice dictates or positive dictates. But as soon as it's, it's negative, there's... What's clear is that... Uh, it. it when it switches to an evil government, those people uh, won't switch uh, to, to be anti-government. They'll maintain their core need, which is reliance on to believe in uh, everything that the government says and believe that the government's doing this, uh, you know, doing right, basically, whatever it is. And that's that was, the, that was the case in Nazi Germany. So the vast majority of the Nazis, by definition, were what we would call today leftists, because. The Nazis who followed the Nazi program, the Nazi, you know citizens who were Nazis, who, who supported or joined the Nazi Party, whatever, um, they were the ones who obviously were relying most on you know fixated most on government and doing whatever the government said. Uh, and today, the people who are doing that, who show that nature, are the l- radical lefties. Mm-hmm. So. If you want to use that term, I don't like using that term at all Nazis it's stupid it's just like it's it's not really relevant to today in a certain sense, except in that divide between people who are strict authoritarian followers and need an external sense of authority in their lives and others who have their own sense of authority
0: Definitely.
1: yeah so
0: so um Well, unless you guys have any other questions, I guess we could maybe, like, wrap it up. Um, Well, Yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, I mean, there's no point in going into all the numbers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, we've already said it. Anybody can look at them if they want and compare them to previous flu seasons and all that kind of stuff and see that this really isn't anything different from a bad flu season. And then ask yourself the question, why? Why is the government reacting as if it's uh, you know, a biblical plague or something, it's a black death or something, when it's not? I mean, the mm-hmm. figures show that it's not, the data shows that it's not. And, uh, uh, you know, people are, all over social media, people are using, you know, statistics and stuff to, to argue against the lockdowns and to try and expose it and stuff, you know. But at this point, you know, I don't need to look at any, I still do, but I don't need to look at any more figures to, to, to draw that conclusion that mm-hmm. this was essentially... In, in historical terms, in, in, in modern terms, this was a, a nothing burger mm-hmm. and, uh, but they family. made a, big, a, a really big, really big deal um, a really big deal out of nothing for ulterior motives that 's the only conclusion that they did it for ulterior motives and the ulterior motives, obviously the only ulterior motive that, that is obvious is manifest is, is the lockdowns and the, the strictures on it's almost like it's a, a giant they used it as an excuse for a giant experiment in social. Social engineering essentially yeah. to see how far they could push mm-hmm. people and see how see how they would react. You know, what if we said that you can't, you know, go to leave your house except from door from the door and back to the door um, once a day for 30 minutes and all the rest of the time you had to stay inside. What if we said that? What would people say? It's interesting, interesting question. How do we apply that? How do we justify that? Well. There's always a virus. People are scared of viruses, aren't they? And they know nothing about them. Um, So, yeah. Um, And, of course, the only other thing I'd say is that the way they're easing out of it now is being done uh, out of necessity in the sense that, you see, like I said before, governments, it seems clear to me that governments were, well, it's not even clear to me, it's clear to most people, I think, is that governments were being given these instructions as to how to go about dealing with this virus, i.e. lockdown, social distancing, all that kind of stuff. They were being given those instructions uh, by by someone else. Um, so in a certain sense, governments got uh, were given a problem. They were told, follow these instructions to the letter. Those instructions caused a lot of social upheaval and social chaos and a lot of resentment from a lot of people. And that resentment, obviously people believe that the government Decided to do this, therefore the government's responsible. So the overt government, like Boris Johnson, you know Donald Trump, all uh, Macron and France, uh, the Italian, Spanish governments, all of them, who uh, have put uh, really severe restrictions on the populations and made them suffer quite a lot and killed quite a lot of people uh, as a result, uh, they realise that there's potential for a lot of you know uh, anger directed at them as a result of this. You know if they don't, like they can't just. End it all of a sudden, let everything back to normal. That's why they talk about there's non- going to be no new normal. There's going to be an easing of the restrictions over the next few months. We'll allow some restaurants to open. We'll allow some of this to open. We'll allow some of that to open. There'll be no sports games until next year. You know, that's all to, to, to justify what they've done, essentially, because they can't just suddenly bring it to an end. People go, what? The virus just went away all of a sudden and we we'll go back to normal. What was that two months for? You know what I mean? They have to have a plausible response. Uh, uh, um,
0: Escape out, e- yeah, plausible, plausible exit strategy. A plausible exit strategy <laughs> yeah. you know I mean yeah.
1: that that doesn't that doesn't make a, a, a mockery of what they had just done because that runs the risk of people getting wise to it, you know, and, and getting angry. So uh, that's but that unfortunately that means that we have to put up with this, you know, feckless, idiotic uh, easing of, of 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 the restrictions where we can only do, you know, we can still only you can't go back to life as normal, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think eventually it will, you know, once they get a read that people have, you know, eased them back into normal life, that uh, it will go back to normal. That's assuming they haven't done something really bad to the economy.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I think it's interesting too, because they get a picture of how willing people are to go along with the Mm -hmm. agenda. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, you know, that you, you, Pretty clearly saw in the first couple of weeks who was going to follow all the mandates and who wasn't. You know, what type of people are going to step out of line and what aren't. Right. You know, yeah. So maybe, maybe for an overview for some future scenario, they can count on so many people just, you know, going along with the program.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see, but I think there's more, probably more. More nonsense coming down the pipeline, more chaos, more craziness happening, going to be happening on this planet. Uh, they've almost uh, opened, in a certain sense, they've opened the gates of, of something scary mm. by doing this, you know what I mean? And um, I think there's other things going to be coming through those gates in the not-too-distant future. Um, so we just need to be prepared. And there may be things that make uh, this little episode uh, pale into insignificance. Oh,
2: God. Well, our dark about- overlord, Bill Gates, is already talking about pandemic too, So yeah. we'll see what he means by that.
1: <laughs> well, what they all mean by that is just a return of uh,
2: <laughs>
1: of, of, of SARS,
2: yeah. SARS-CoV-2,
1: but uh, uh, big deal. It wasn't a big deal this time if it comes back. It, well, the flu comes back every year. So mm-hmm. what's your point? Well, un- unless you're going to decide now that every time there's a flu-like illness, we're going to lock for two months. Then, yeah, that's a big deal. But the point is, it shouldn't have happened. Unless, so, yeah.
2: You you reference something else coming through the gates, perhaps in mm. the future, which may be a little bit more sinister. What what kind of thing? Do you think, Mike? Mm. What I kind don't of- know, Elias. That's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you be uh, determined.
1: <laughs> what's the phrase Yeah. Uh, um, your poem. Uh, what beats? What, what slouches? What towards rough, Bethlehem? What rough beast slouches towards Bethlehem? Yeah. is that what you're asking? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, what's going to come down? To you? I think. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens with the economy. Like I said, it could, I mean, if they if the economy goes into quote unquote free fall or something like that, then you're going to have some serious issues. Uh, I mean, something that would make this pale into into insignificance would be if there was serious uh, food shortages. I mean, the the people have had a little little bit of food Mm -hmm. shortages and stuff, but I'm talking about serious food shortages where there's nothing in the supermarket and people are starving. People are queuing up and dependent on on, on government for handouts. You know, millions and millions of people, like maybe 50% of the population. You know, uh, that's, that's a bad, bad scenario. People don't know. They talk about this being a pandemic. They have no idea. I mean, a pandemic like uh, like the pretending this is is one where there are bodies in the streets people are falling over dead in the streets right young people everybody old people children everybody's dead i mean there's a, you know a pandemic is when there's 30 40 percent of the population dead that's a pandemic these people have no idea what they're talking about they better not say pandemic too often because it's like kind of like beetlejuice you know if you say it three times <laughs> you'll get a real one uh because uh, they're not i don't know what it's I don't know what people would just lose their shit completely. Um, so, yeah, something like that. In the the weather, the environment is pretty chaotic, pretty crazy these days. Um, if it can go, you know, it can go bad pretty quickly in terms of uh, growing seasons and 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 uh, you know, the the enough enough harvest uh, harvest big enough to to you know, to to feed everybody on the planet and stuff. And it can go pretty pretty bad pretty easily pretty quickly so um, and much much worse than this this is just this was just a little t- taster you know and in a certain sense it may be good because it kind of acclimatizes everybody us included to to dealing with a crisis even though we know this was a manufactured fake crisis it, it gave us a good feel of what one might be like and maybe it prepares us in, in, in a way for, for something more real much more real and more serious that could be coming down uh, down the pike so that's all I'm going to tell you, Elliot. I'm sorry. I don't have a crystal ball right here, so I'll have to get back to you.
0: Oh, we don't want any spoilers anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Exactly. <clears throat> all right. Well, I, I got to push them. off here. Very so, good. So um, thanks again for, for inviting me. Uh, I watch your show a lot, <laughs> 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 and um, I like it. You're all... Super cool, super good, super interesting people, and uh, if I, I'll I'll come back for the next pandemic as long as it's yeah, a real okay. one.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, with that stipulation, okay.
1: Yeah, it has to be real. As I'm as not as doing as this just... again just for for <laughs> just for, just for shits and giggles. And shit. <laughs> I
0: want
1: well, the real deal.
0: <laughs> well, thanks a lot for joining us, Joe. That All was great. right,
1: no problem. Talk uh, to you later.
0: Talk to you later, Joe.
1: See ya.
2: Yeah. See you, Joe.
1: See yeah. ya.